Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor, right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left is Ed Maher with the International Union of Operating Engineers. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Ken. How's it going today? Really, really good. And for the first time... At the beginning of the show, we have a guest. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to be our he's going to be our whole show guest. I love it. Yeah, introduce our mystery guest. His name is Travis Ketterman, and he is with the law firm of Ketterman, McGann, and Rue. And if you noticed, Ketterman was first, <laughs> which means he's most important. So welcome, Travis. I'm usually the least important person in the room, but hey, happy to be with friends uh, talking about stuff we care about. Absolutely, good to see you, Travis. I want to start with. Um, a continuation of the discussion that we've been having, which is 2023 being the year of the worker, and some interesting things that that have gone on in the past like couple of weeks, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, almost every day I'm reading stories or getting email alerts about different unions organizing, winning elections, and you know, it's almost become commonplace at this point every day to see a new local group organizing. And it didn't used to be like that. So sometimes I have to remind myself how extraordinary these times actually are. I know. You would go for years without reading anything positive about labor or just, you know, constant negative and, you know, corruption and, you know, union losses and union decline and the decline in the middle class. And you're absolutely right. This, you know, you're starting to see over the past couple of years workers standing up for themselves. And and winning, you know, going out and and trying to organize and actually being successful. Yeah, it's badass. So, you know, a couple of quick, just a quick ones, and, and I'll run through a couple of things that, that struck me, um, and I think we'll drill down on at least one of them. One is, um, in New York, nurses went on strike, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this New York City nurses strike encapsulates everything we're talking about. Yeah. Everything that's right for workers, everything that's right about the labor movement. And, and you have people that are obviously concerned about their wages. But more importantly, what fueled that strike was their concern for their work conditions. They were concerned that the patients weren't getting the care they need because there were too few nurses. Right. And, and you know, a three-day strike of 7,000 nurses. Yeah. Just unbelievable. It, says, it goes to what you said, Ed, is, you know, every day we're seeing victories by workers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing the right thing for themselves, but for their communities. And if you think about what fueled this strike was their concern for their patients right and as a result of that three-day strike they won and and the tentative agreement that was reached this week for the first time in their contracts there's going to be nurse to patient ratios right right that that's a win for the nurses that's a win for the patients in those hospitals absolutely that's something that's been fought for um nurse to to patient um student to teacher ratios ratios have been something that's been fought for in a lot of different strikes and labor disputes and contract negotiations nationwide and it seems like they're never able to actually get there Mm -hmm. um so this is a huge deal yeah, and hopefully I, I, it sets a precedent. I hope it absolutely sets a precedent. You know, the teachers to, if you remember the teacher strike, you know, years ago, right? That was one of their issues, right? right? Our classes are too full, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, kudos to the nurses in New York for, for getting this thing accomplished. Yeah, and look at how they're going to solve that nurse-to-patient ratio. You know, they're going to hire more nurses. That's right. Good jobs. 170 people are going to get a good job because these 7,000 nurses stood up instantly, 170, 170 nurses. Also, there's partnerships with different educational institutions in the Bronx 
so that people who want to become nurses are going to get the opportunities. I mean, again, that's just why labor exists. That's why these worker rights are important. Yeah, people, uh, you know, constantly say, oh, you know, the union's in it for themselves. They're lazy. They just want less work and more money. And what this showed, I think, was it's the exact opposite, right? They literally said, we're overworked. We want better working conditions. But more importantly, our patients are getting screwed because we don't have the staff, right? right? And right. Look, look at Chicago. Like, you know, our, our, we don't have enough cops. Right. That's for sure. End, right? We simply don't have enough cops. But that, that, that will change. But... You know, we just don't have enough cops, and it's just like we need – there should be some sort of ratio. Firefighters have it, right? X number of guys on a truck. You know, they're very good at that, by the way. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, having – I, I don't know how many guys are, are, are uh, supposed to be on the truck, but I know that's something that's been uh, protected in every single contract. Yeah, the firefighters are very good at that. Yes. So, you know, so that's one of the things that, that happened. I also saw that Pennsylvania – the great, it's not a state, it's a commonwealth. That's right. The commonwealth of Pennsylvania, which includes Philadelphia, where my son goes to college, which is one of the most horrible cities in the entire country. <laughs> Terrible sports fans. The worst sports fans anywhere. I'm joking, not really. I'm not joking. <laughs> Just a good Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> Do you get it with cheese whiz? Uh, you got to, right? That's what I hear. I've never had one, and I never will. No. This is disgusting. Do you remember when the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup in Philadelphia, and they were skating around, hoisting the cup, and the entire stadium full of uh, Flyers fans stayed to boo their hearts out for the entire thing? <laughs> you know, that's, that says it all, everybody. Well, back to why this is a positive thing. Pennsylvania, I think, floated uh, a workers' rights amendment to their constitution. Right. Right? Yeah, it's the first state to, uh, to, to quickly follow up on the success in Illinois. Copycats are good. Hey, well, uh, you know what? For it. We were hoping that this would start a movement, and it was Representative Elizabeth Fiedler. She's a representative from South Philadelphia, and uh, she put forth legislation that would put um, into the Constitution protections for organizing and uh, collective bargaining, which is a huge deal. I mean, we're, we're seeing momentum on this now, which is so important because the momentum has come the other way for decades, half a century or more. Well, I think one of the lessons of this is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right. If, if you're a worker out there who needs protection, if you're a union out there that's going to protect these workers... We look to see what we've done before in the past, right. what's worked and what we need to tweak. And I think that's why Illinois was a leader in passing the Workers' Rights Amendment, and we're seeing the fruits of that. Other people can, can copy. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. For sure. I mean, the other side's been doing it for, for how many decades now? I mean, the American Legislative Exchange Council, all these right-to-work laws Alec, and things. National Alec. Right to Work Association. Yeah, they just they, yeah. take it and put it in a box and email it around the country, Absolutely. and the next thing you see is all these state houses pushing this. Stuff. Right, so, but God forbid workers should stand up and, and do the same thing state after state or share information or what works etc now you're finally starting to see this thing right. mm-hmm. you know and and good and so michigan another another one um i i know that they're going to try and overturn right to work in michigan because they now control uh, the dems control the three houses yeah, the blue trifecta and um i also believe i've heard through the grapevine anyway that they may also try and run a constitutional amendment as same as workers rights so they don't have to constantly flip back and forth and back and forth right but but the message is as election have consequences right. and, and sure. when worker friendly candidates win because workers back them mm-hmm. then we expect something from them when they're governing well, and, and michigan's we, a perfect example illinois has been a good example right. of, of our friends helping our friends mm-hmm. yeah you know this, this so you almost have to pinch yourself sometimes 2023 really is the year of the worker and it's going to continue to be if we keep having things like this popping up every single week and they should yeah we need to be on it's the about offense, time right yeah right. No, spoiler <laughs> alert 2024 is probably going to be the year of the worker again <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're listening to wgn sorry uh, sorry let me take that again 
You're listening to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Vacant Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back to 720 WGN. Worker's Mic. I'm Ken. I'm Ed. And he's Travis. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everything in between. <laughs> and I've got to say, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm looking at Travis, and uh, Travis is an attorney, as we mentioned at the opening of the show, but he is he is just excited to be here. And I know that uh, I know Travis for probably 10 years now, and I know that he is just a true activist when it comes to union issues and labor issues. And it makes him, you know, so effective at what he does. And uh, so, I mean, I'd just like to, to say how much I appreciate everything that you do, Travis, and ask you to just tell us a little bit more about what yourself, what you've done, you know, your background. No, I appreciate the, the kind words. It's not a job when right. it's a passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't need a hobby when what you do during the day Absolutely. Uh, fuels your interest. And, and, and workers, unions, I believe in them. I've always believed them. Both my grandfathers fought in World War II, severely injured, came back, became members of unions, had good jobs, raised good middle-class families. My dad was a teacher's union president up in Wisconsin. My mom was actually a union steward for school secretaries. Love it. And so uh, I'm from Wisconsin, so I got cheese in my blood and uh, union rights. So uh, (laughs) I'm happy to be here. I couldn't think of anything more I'd rather do for a living than represent workers. How did you get to Illinois? Law school. I chased my wife. Uh, we met at Marquette and oh. uh, chased her back to Illinois, and 30 years later, we're still here. Wow. I'm glad she brought you back. Yeah. So you uh, tell us about the firm real quick. Yeah, so McGann, Ketterman, and Rue uh, is a, a Wait, law is, firm is, here is, in Chicago. I thought Ketterman, Ketterman was first. That's what you said <laughs> off air. But, right, we'll, we'll have to change the letterhead when I get back. All we do, 100% of what the law firm does, is represent unions and their employee benefit funds. Okay. And that, how many attorneys you got? We got about twelve okay. uh, full-time attorneys of counsel. It's nice. To, it's nice to be doing just one thing, right? And you know, I find that union law firms that do, you know, workers' comp or personal injury or some family law, some criminal law. In my humble opinion, they get spread a little thin. And you guys get to focus solely on unions and health and welfare funds. No doubt. I mean, if if you have a problem with your heart, you want to see a cardiologist. That's right. If you're a worker, you want to have someone who knows what they're doing in the interest of labor law. Yeah. Well, good. That's that's awesome. I I want to tell a quick story. And and Travis, you can jump in here. Back to the Midwest Coalition of Labor in 2016, right? Yeah, November. Yeah. We, uh, we, We knew we were in trouble. And... Um, somebody introduced me to Travis. Travis and I's world never really collided. And we talked on the phone. And Travis and I were both of the mindset that, you know, we, we knew what was coming, which is uh, the Janus case and, and right to work from the public sector and right to work all over the Midwest and things of that nature. And we were of a like mind to say, hey, why don't we do something about this finally, right? Yeah, we, we do. I remember the conversation well. I was actually in Florida speaking at a, a, a foundation event for employee benefit funds. Yeah. And we knew the f- next four years were going to be rough. Right. We knew the next four years were going to be rough for employees and unions in particular. But, you know, Ken, you and I had the same mindset. And when you have challenges, you have opportunities. Right, right. That's always been the hallmark of labor organizations yeah. is you take the challenges in the workplace, you take the challenges politically, you take the challenges economically in society, and you make something happen. And and luckily, the leaders of the, the various local the unions here in Illinois took that conversation and the MCL was born. Yeah. And uh, 
our vendors um, affectionately call them the heads of the five families. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but each union at that point assigned an attorney to kind of get this thing off the ground. And Travis was the attorney for the carpenters. And I was one for the operators. We had one for local 399 of the operators mm-hmm. and uh, IBW as well. And um, the laborers. And then we had uh, Joe Healy, who was on the show previously from the laborers. And we formed this little committee. And, you know, we had the heads of the five families there at times. And that's how the MCL was born with five unions. Um, and today we have 200 plus thousand members in 11 states and, you know, 300 plus locals. So it is a. Uh, it's grown in leaps and bounds, but that was the genesis. It was like literally a phone call between Travis and I. We are on the phone. You know, I'd be high-fiving you in fist bumps if we were in person, but <laughs> the people watching me talk to you probably thought it was pretty strange. But yeah. Very but it, passionate. Yeah. It, it, but, but, you know, that conversation's a lot like we've talked about first contracts yeah. and, and workers. It's exactly the same model. Right. You have some people that have a passion. Yeah. You have a, a, a people who said the status quo is not good enough. Right. And we're going to get together. Yeah. And we care about it. Yep. And, and and it's slow at first. That's for sure. But but you get some momentum. You get the right people. You get a plan. You yeah. get information. Boots on the ground. Right. It's really no different than what workers do when they're trying to get their rights protected. Look, you, you made a good point off the air. People join AARP. They join Costco, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they join all these organizations. Why not join together and, like the nurses did, you know, fight for better working conditions, fight for your... You know, your passion, which is patients, students, you know, whatever that particularly might be, uh, you know, get that first contract is, you know, as we talked about last week, it's tough. But yeah. but why is it important, like Travis? You tell me. Like, what do you think? Why is that first contract so important? The, the first contracts, you're planting the seeds. It, it's the first of what you expect to be many. Right. And I think what's important about that first contract is one is you establish tone. You establish your credibility with both the workers mm-hmm. and, quite frankly, with management in the union. Yeah. That the days of being pushed o- around are over. Right. The days of being disrespected are done. Yep. The days of not getting a living wage and decent benefits are over. And I think it's important with the first contract is that you keep the momentum going. Your, your two biggest fears in a first contract is the workers become disengaged yes. or disillusioned. Right. And, and the, the way you do that is through communication and having a plan. But I, I look at it as a three-legged stool. All workers, for their dignity of their human value, are worthy of three things. A good wage, health benefits, and pension benefits when they retire. And, and you're not going to have the best of all those things right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're planting those seeds. So you should get some level of health benefits, for not only for the worker, but for the worker's family. Absolutely. You should have some seeds of a pension so that at the end of that career, you can retire with dignity. Yeah. Right. Well, I've said before, you know, in, in presidential elections for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been alive, I've always heard people complain or candidates say that they're going to do things to help people earn more money, have better health care, and be able to retire you know, while they're still young enough to enjoy it. So these are things that all Americans want. All working Americans want this. Um, and these are the, the foundations that unions are built upon, is fighting for these very, very simple things. So it seems that society is finally... Um, you know, caught up and, and realized what we're out here doing. And, and you've made the point repeatedly on prior episodes. It's not just good for those workers. Right. It, it's good for the communities in which they live. Because when they have that just wage, 
when they're not just barely making it by living paycheck to paycheck, but they have that little bit extra, the, the middle class spends that in the restaurants. Right. They, they, they spend when, that. When you say restaurants, you mean bars. Bars. <laughs> yeah, some beer, of them have beer, food. Exactly. <laughs> Nachos. <laughs> Chicken wings. Well, yeah, Dale Pearson was on last week, and he um, gave the number that I think our economy is 70% based on consumer activity. So all of a sudden, if everybody doesn't have money to spend, the economy shuts down. And so workers having more disposable income uh, to buy the things they need and the things that they want um, you know, is good for America. It's good for everybody. And every, you know, every worker should be fighting for these things. And everybody who wants to see a stronger economy, you know, better stock prices, everything, should be supporting them for doing it. It's the right thing to do for our economy. It's the right thing to do for our towns and, and counties. It's the right thing to do for workers. Right. And the right thing to do for the country, quite frankly. You know, I, I'll t- I want to follow up on something that we talked about last week, or, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, and that was the uh, intelligentsia right. coffee workers. That win with the IBW, local uh, 1220. Mm-hmm. Um, their business manager, um, John Rizzo, was kind enough to send me just like a little quick cheat sheet as to what they got in that first contract. Um, and I'm just going to take it off. They got um, labor management meetings where management has to sit down with labor and talk about working conditions. They have a grievance and arbitration procedure um, and just cause, which means that the employer can't just say, hey, you're fired. No more employee at will. Yeah, just cause is about the most basic foundation for a union contract. It's something but you it's have a, to have. And it's a huge deal knowing that you can go to work and you're not going to be fired because the boss doesn't like you. Right. And it's just fantastic. They got arbitration. They got seniority. So if, God forbid, there's a layoff, it goes, you know, uh, last hired, first fired. Seniority should mean something, right? Yeah. Makes sense. Um, they got minimum shifts. They got vacation pay. They got paid parental leave. They got paid lunch. So I think in intelligentsia land, you know, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they work six-hour shifts. Well, they used to have to be there six and a half hours because they got a half-hour paid break. Sorry, a half-hour unpaid break. Mm -hmm. Now they get a half-hour paid break, so they're working five and a half hours but getting paid for six. That's a raise right right there. And then they got raises and they got training and, you know, et cetera. So, I mean, that's a big win. And like you said, that sets the standard then, Travis, for – the other uh, coffee shops that are unionizing. And it, it's a big win, but it also points out to what I've seen in, in my experiences. It's not just initially about the wages. That's right. There's right. always something else that at some point triggers, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. Yeah. You know, the, the workers will put up with being unpaid properly for a long time, but it's always that other thing. There's some working terms and conditions. You know, the, we, we talked about the New York City nurses. Right. Um, you know, another example, of, I just negotiated a contract. Their big thing was on call. Oh, um, on call. And and there was an issue of they could only have 15 minutes to get to some place. Well, <laughs> try to get anywhere in Chicago area in 15 Honestly, minutes. You can't do it. the street. We've got to take a quick break, but we've got uh, Travis Ketterman here, and we're going to have him stay in the studio for a little while longer. Uh, So come back and join us on The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. He's Ed. Yep. We still have Travis with us. Thanks, Travis, for sticking around. My pleasure. Absolutely. So hey, be- before the um, before in the last segment, you were talking about how the the Midwest Coalition of Labor was created in response to a Janus the Janus decision from the Supreme Court. Yeah. And how um, you know challenges that are faced by the labor movement. 
typically result in some sort of innovation or original thinking or, or big ideas that that actually provide new opportunities. So, um, you know, in the vein of that, this week there was oral arguments in uh, in the Supreme Court for a new case. It was a glacier concrete, and this is something that has gone sort of under the radar completely in the news, but it is extremely consequential for workers because in the last 10 years, I would say any time the Supreme Court starts to uh, take a gaze at workers' rights, it's never good for workers. <laughs> for sure. And the deck is completely stacked. Uh, so I think, you know, Travis, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the case, but I know it, uh, people are worried that this could, uh, you know, take away workers' rights to strike. Yeah, I mean, I think the the facts are important, like mm-hmm. they are in any case. Yep. And so you had a Teamsters union who represented these concrete truck drivers, and the strike occurred while a number of these drivers were already out on the, the big concrete trucks that spin. We've all seen yeah, them around. Sure. And so because the strike commenced, they returned the trucks to the yard, but the union members kept the truck spinning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, you know, Obviously, bad things are going to happen if you, you the concrete hardens in the trucks, but that's not what the union did. They kept the the concrete truck spinning. Right. The management then had to dump the concrete because they didn't have enough people, and and the employer then sued, saying you destroyed our property. That concrete was unusable, and we want to sue for damages. And so it really becomes a destruction of property lawsuit. And we haven't we've. The unions have been protected in their concerted activity. This Supreme Court doesn't really care about precedents. No, it's unconservative conservatives yeah, in any setting. Exactly, and and much like a Janus, they didn't care about Beck, and right. so, you know, I think given the nature of the the court's makeup, given the nature of the questions that were asked on Tuesday at oral arguments, um, I think we know how this turns out. It doesn't turn out for unions, but we'll we'll adapt. So unions would then have to, what, uh, in the eyes of these justices, wait until the concrete has been poured and then they could strike and that would be okay? I mean, it takes away all of the leverage that workers have in a, in a strike situation, or at least takes away their freedom to decide when to withhold their labor. See, I'm the eternal optimist. So what this case is going to say is that theory uh-huh. of the destruction of property is a valid theory. But I think when you apply it to the facts of this case, so obviously we would, we'd like not to have to fight the battle. Right. In, in a, the union victory would be you can't sue for destruction of property type damages. Sure. But what the union members did in this was right. And right. so even if the suit continues, I wouldn't put up with the fact that we concede. What we did was right. Mm-hmm. And I think what that means is against the theme of today in challenges come opportunities absolutely what that means is we're gonna have to be better prepared we're gonna have to be more creative we're gonna have to be more organized we're gonna have to have good business representatives leading these unions because there's this threat of this type of lawsuit that hasn't existed but i don't think we back down we don't back down for one minute we just become stronger and smarter absolutely and you and you said earlier during the break that you know the the unions are you know the good ones anyway push the envelope push it hard right and you know come up with creative ideas as as to how to get around this constant attack on workers exactly you know my friend dale pearson talked about it last week with defamation cases and i think that's instructive for what's going to happen with the glazers case we know what the law is you 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 can't say something that's not true Mm -hmm. or that a reckless disregard for the truth but we we act within those boundaries that's right and and so Glazer's case is going to give us some ruling, yep. and we'll act within those boundaries. But we're going to push the envelope. Right. We're going to stay aggressive. We're just going to be better organized and smarter about it. And we have to be. And I don't think the Teamsters did anything wrong, and I don't think they destroyed property. So I, 
Bring it on. The I, simple fact that they kept the trucks running so that the concrete wouldn't be spoiled seems like it's evidence that they were trying to not damage property, not create a loss. A hundred percent agree. I don't see how, I mean, this is what drives me crazy. You know, it's almost one of those things where it's like, you know, get back to work. You know, kind of like what the <laughs> Biden administration did to, to the to the railroads, you know, get back to work. Like, you have a fundamental First Amendment right to stop working. Right. And quite frankly, you should be able to stop working anytime you want. What happens if, you know, let's say, take this to its logical conclusion. There's three workers that are not in a union shop, and they decide to stop working, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to walk out on strike, which is their right to do whether they're in a union or not. Who are they going to sue? Are they going to sue the actual workers now for, you know... Uh, their their coffee got cold. I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what's what's going to happen in right. that instance? I mean, you you want to talk about short sighted and wrong uh, the wrong direction. That's it. And right. once again, you know the the, the Dems, uh, the AFL CIO, the people that are pushing for union rights have an opportunity to pass laws in this regard. Right? right? When was the last time the NRA was was uh, you know changed? Nineteen. 19- 70 maybe where there was an amendment to it i don't know i have no idea right. I, should, I should know this as a lawyer but i don't know much <laughs> <laughs> very narrow very narrow yeah yeah i'm not i'm a, i got a law degree you know um but well, the, you, you understand what i'm saying in other words like why not change the law we talked last week about interest arbitration making that the law of the land you know let's change the law to protect a strike for christ's sake the legislative right? branch has failed to do anything for workers whether it was the pro act whether it was card check under Absolutely. obama they have failed to occupy the playing field on behalf of workers, and so laws are being changed, but it's being done by the judicial branch. So, And it's being done on a state level, right, a local level, yeah. and it's not, you know, we're not relying on, on the, the federal government, quite frankly, to do anything. The infrastructure bill is fantastic, right? It's good for the economy, good for workers, good for unions, good for non-unions, mm-hmm. right? Good for companies. It's good for everybody. Can't complain about that. But in terms of pure legislation, like you said, they don't do anything for us. Right. Right? And we have to do it ourselves. We, we have to stay on the offense. You know, the, the bad thing about the Glazers case is we're going to have to play defense a little bit. But we need to, with our friends in, in public office, is to play offense. That's right. And there's just a, f- a few things that will fundamentally change the landscape. You know, card checks. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, interest arbitration. Absolutely. FMCS after 90 days. You yes. know, bargaining after 10 days of the initial be, initially being certified. Yeah. This isn't rocket science. Right. No. And it shouldn't be a heavy lift because it's the right thing to do. And it's good for the workers, it's good for the economy, it's good for America, but for some reason, the fact that we can't get this accomplished kind of shows you how unlevel the playing field is when, you know, Congress and the judicial system are controlled by, like you said earlier, Ed, like the ALEC, you know, group of the world, right? right? These multi-billionaires that have an agenda, and that is to make as much money as humanly possible, and and it's on it's on our backs, and we have to stand up and fight back. I think you're seeing labor do that right now, and yeah. you know, it's a, it's a good place to be right now. I think. Yeah, we're we're seeing it in Illinois. We're seeing it in Pennsylvania. We're starting to to hear whispers of it in Michigan. You know, all these states that have been kind of little gentle pushes down for the last 10 years 20 years they're starting to see that this can be done so if it can be done at a state level maybe that sets the tone for what can happen at a federal level i mean everything has to start somewhere um and i i hope that we're seeing something early that will you know be able to tell the next generation that we saw it start 
generals win wars by winning battles. Right, and, yeah. and the unions need to win the war by winning battles. And that's, that's right. taking these things maybe piecemeal mm-hmm. and, and getting card check, which, which means that you don't, you know, if a, more than a majority of the workers in a workplace want to be union, they've signed documents that you don't need an election because right. bad things happen when employers can stall and intimidate. We talked right. about captive audience and, sure. and other sessions or shows that you've had. Get these little segments, get these battles. We win the war by winning the battles. Illinois public workers have card check. Right? Did, yep. you, did you know that? Ed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, have, of course, have, I knew have... that, Ken. Come on. Man. <laughs> Newsflash. I mean, I mean, hold on. No, Ken. Tell me more about it. <laughs> they get a union by you know signing cards, a majority of cards, and and once card check passed, Ed, I didn't go to a single election in the public sector during my career at one fifty. Not one. Because what's the point, right? It gives them the opportunity to just pound us, pound us, pound us. That being said, I wouldn't go in there with 51% of the cards either. I would demand from yeah. the workers that we had 95% of the cards signed. And we did. And it showed the employer that, oh, these guys are serious. We're not going to beat them. And it worked really well. And it helped us raise the standard of living for thousands of employees right. and their families and the, their communities. And it just it works. Well, what's, right? the, what's the argument against it? Because, again, the national labor policy is supposed to be about uh, encouraging The argument against bargain. it is a great question. And I think the argument against it, of course, is that corporations are now people and they have free speech. Well, right. So uh, if, if, if you've got 10 workers and nine of them sign a card saying that they want to be a union member, yep. then the response from, um, you know, from the federal government is, Okay, sounds great. You guys clearly want a union. Yep. We're going to give the company a few months to beat the hell out of you until right. you don't want that anymore, and then we'll have an election. <laughs> to and, threaten and you and the, fire you. And, and that's, yeah. I mean, is that about the, right, the, Travis? The anti-workers don't want to give away one of their biggest tools. Right. And that tool is delay. Yeah. Captive Intimidation. Intimidate. Absolutely. Coerce. Threaten. Look, Travis, I just saw, I think it was yesterday, that the NLRB confirmed the Amazon union election in Staten Island. Right. When was that election? Last Over year? a year ago. Okay. So, step one, they confirmed it. <laughs> yeah. Amazon has already said, well, we're going to appeal that now to the full board. Right. Right? Okay. That's another year. Ste- after that, they're going to lose. Then it goes to what? Uh, circuit court or district court? Circuit court. Circuit court, right? So that's... Any circuit court, too. They can go D.C. or where they're at, so they're, they'll forum shop. They'll try to find the of most cor- conservative courts. Uh, of course. And that's going to take years. Right? And after that, it's Supreme Court. So, I mean, you're literally talking about years and years and years from the time you won that election yeah. to the time you not get your first contract to the time you get to sit down at the bargaining table. And when it's all said and done, not a single worker who participated in that election will still be working at Amazon. Because they'll be retired by then. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'll be 100 years old. <laughs> well, I hope that's not the case. Um, you are listening to the Workers' Mic Um We've been really, really lucky to have Travis Ketterman uh, here with us today. Travis, can you stick around for one last segment? Twist my arm. Take it home. Happy to be here. (laughs) All right. You're listening to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher with Ken Edwards, and we've had Travis Ketterman. And uh, I wanted to come back in off the air. Uh, we were having an interesting little conversation, and a couple of weeks ago we talked about what our favorite labor movies or worker-friendly movies are. Uh, and I mentioned Mate One, which was about uh, the coal mines. And I got some pushback 
from Travis, who did not agree with that being the best worker movie, and he feels pretty strongly about this, so I think it's only fair to give him the floor and uh, you know and push his alternative. So what do you hey, got, Travis? Hey, man, Ed, in 10 years, this is probably the only way we've disagreed. But uh, How about you, it? you got to go with Roger and Me. Roger I and mean, Me. Classic, classic movie mm-hmm. where you have Michael Moore in one of his first movies that probably put him on the map. But the premise of that movie, it's got to be 30 years now, yeah. is GM closes this plant in Flint, Michigan. And these people lose their job, and it just decimates every part of the community. It was 35,000 jobs. 35,000 jobs gone to to make shareholders a couple pennies on their shares. Where did they move the, did they move the plants uh, to the south or overseas? You know, I, I don't know, but, but I do know it, Michael Moore sets out to find Roger Smith, the, yeah. the chair of, of GM, mm-hmm. to just explain, hey, do you know the consequences yeah. of your actions? And I think the lesson, that why I love that so much, is the humor and the sarcasm are a great way to send a message. It, yeah. It's it's like when we do handbills and banners. Why do we use rats in the community? Because it gets people's attention. Mm-hmm. Sure. We don't pass out treatises on economics. We, we pass out handbills that poke fun of people, that use graphics, and that's how we communicate our message. That's why I think it's the, the best labor movie out there. Yeah, and there was a, there was a woman there who um, had lost her job, and she had had to resort to cooking rabbits and squirrels and things like that. And, um, you know, and... So he was trying to find the chairman to just show him, like, do you see that a couple dollars to your shareholders have done this to an entire city, have taken people from good middle class jobs to to eating, you know, wild roaming rodents on the street? Like it's and and the best thing about it is it's not based on a true story. It's not inspired by a true story. It was a documentary. It's a true story. These are real people. And and those real people were the people who built those cars. Right. That made that money for the shareholders. Of course. That, that returned that money to their their communities. In this case, it was Flint. That's everything we've been talking about. All right, all right, you got me, Travis. I'm gonna <laughs> I know, I'm gonna watch it this weekend. I have to find where I can get it streaming. Um, but I will uh, I will make a point of watching it at some point later on today. I'll I, bring the popcorn. All right, cool. Yeah, I, come I, on over. I, I will too. You're not invited, Ken. <laughs> oh, damn it. You know what else is the? What about the Jeep? Right, I've talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jeep Cherokee. Yeah. Not Grand Cherokee. Which is still made in Detroit, Jeep Cherokee, which is made right here in Illinois, are going to move to Mexico. Right, Nate, uh, it was just, out of Belvedere, right? That yep. plant out on the side of I ninety yeah. that you see that's got nothing going on at this point. Unbelievable. I, I mean, and I drive a Jeep Cherokee, which I'm going to burn on air on our YouTube channel. Like you I can said. listen to it on the radio. You can hear the burning. Yeah, that's right. We would be remiss um, in not mentioning that tomorrow is a federal holiday. Absolutely. Um, and what is tomorrow? Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. That's exactly right. And why is that important uh, to labor? Well, a lot of people don't know what Martin Luther King was doing um, in the days before he was shot, but he was walking with picketers, uh, garbage truck drivers, That's right. uh, for an Ask Me strike. That's right. And this is in 1966, I believe? 1968. 1968. Um, and... I didn't even know this until I really started reading up on this or refreshing my recollection that the reason that these garbage um, workers, the sanitation workers, went on strike is because two of their coworkers were killed. I didn't know that, all right? Uh, or if I did, I forgot, and, I, and shame on me for, for forgetting. But this goes back to what we were talking about, that the garbage men, my understanding, were driving trucks that were dilapidated, weren't working, and these guys got killed as a result of that, and... 
they went on strike for it. Right. Right. The workers uh, said enough. That's right. And they had no union at that point. The, the, there was no public sector labor law in Tennessee. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think there's any labor law in Tennessee right now. <laughs> right. You know, didn't they just pass, like, you know, guaranteed right to work forever Yeah, in they Tennessee? put right to work yeah. into their constitution. Yeah. So, you know, a lot has changed. It's great to see in Tennessee. But that, <laughs> that rhymes. <laughs> very good, Ken. Thank That's a very good so, one. Thank you so much. But he, Martin Luther King was down there right. to march with these sanitation workers. And... Uh, and he did, and then he got killed. Yeah, and uh, like a week later, they recognized the union, um, and it took another year, I think, to get a contract. They had to threaten to go on strike again, but that's what Martin Luther King was doing when he was when he was killed, and he was there for the workers. And I think it, it's important to to remember that while we're you know we quote unquote celebrate Martin Luther King Day, or at least you know commemorate his life. But understand that his last days were spent with workers. Right. He had he had enemies across the country for, for many many reasons, um, and as you know, unfortunately, this proved uh, you know it wasn't safe for him to be out in the open all the time. Right. And he knew that, but yeah. it didn't really matter because he had an opportunity to help people that were fighting for something, and he took to the streets. You know, marched to the streets with them, held their hands, and uh, you know, unfortunately, paid uh, paid the ultimate price. But you know, I think this story of these sanitation workers goes back to what Travis was saying about you can underpay workers, you can mess with their benefits, and sooner or later something will happen. Right. Uh, and a lot of times it comes down to safety, avoidable accidents, or just gross negligence where workers are, are saying, if if we're worth so little to you that you would, you know, completely ignore our rights to have a safe workplace where we can go home at the end of the day, then we're going to stand up and we're going to ask you to do better. We're going to force you to do better. We have to. Right. And uh, MLK stood for that. The message that he had in Memphis that week was consistent with his whole career of the human dignity of the person. And in this case, it was the human dignity of the worker. There's a moral aspect to what we do. Yeah. I mean, look what, you know, this goes back to what you talked about a few weeks ago with what's happening in China. I mean, this is China, right? They have, you know zero labor laws and mm-hmm. these guys are walking out because they had reached their tipping point right so you know i'm telling people out there reach your tipping point find your tipping point stop taking it you know you don't have to take it stand up right get it form a union form an association get together with some coworkers. you know stop getting abused because it's not worth it every yeah. job like you said has dignity and and you can do it as we said at the top of the show, people are doing this every week across the state, across the city, across the country. It works, and it's not impossible. So, um, you know, the, the year of the worker is young, but let's keep it going because we've Absolutely. got some great, great momentum so far. You don't have to do it alone. There's the, the, there's unions out there. We know what to do. We can help. Absolutely, we can help. And you can help yourselves, right? And we have the Workers' Rights Amendment here in Illinois that doesn't even mention the word union. It just says you guys have the right to collectively bargain. Go out mm. and do it. Stand up. But, yeah, you can certainly – we can help. Um, you're listening to The Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'd like to thank Travis Ketterman for joining us today. It's Thanks for the invite. It's always it fun was, to it talk. It was awesome yeah. to hear yeah. everything you had to say, Yeah, Travis. we really thank appreciate you. it. So um, we'll, be, we'll be back with yeah. you again next week next right week. here on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of The Workers' Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Workers' Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.